Trust, I think, is, is at the root of my entire story. Control was sort of the, the thing before that. And you can't really control and trust at the same time. You know, going through what I went through with my dad was a huge trust thing. And that was the first time that I really experienced like holding really painful things and still maintaining joy. Like not happiness, sure. but joy. And you have to have trust to do that. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoy these stories. Welcome back to the Your Story Matters podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today as we continue in this year-long journey of stories and vulnerability and um, me having the opportunity to sit with people as they share the highs and lows of their life and what God has done and been doing and, um, and the seasons of faith that they've had and the wrestling with faith that they've gone through and um, seeing God show up and asking hard questions and all the wonderful things about faith. And, um, you know, as we, we pass the halfway mark of this podcast, one of the things I want to remind you all who are listening is the point of this podcast isn't uh, perfect stories. And the point of this podcast isn't you follow Jesus and everything's okay. It's um, there's a lot of wrestling and a lot of struggling and a lot of questions and doubts, um, a lot of understanding that God was there, but understanding it later and not necessarily seeing it at the time. And, um, and there's, and there's seasons too, where there's a lot of knowing God is with you, even though there's a storm and those two things are not separate. And so, um, as you hear these stories and as you um, catch up on the podcast, if you haven't listened to other episodes, uh, we just want you to know that this is all about just seeing how God works through the ins and outs and ups and downs of our life. And whether it's good or bad, he's there. And um, as we continue to trust him, he can do good things, even with the bad stuff or um, the wrestling that we've had in our life. And so um, I'm really excited for today's episode. Uh, I'm joined by Annie, who is probably one of my favorite people in the world. My wife and I have known her for a long time. Um, we were just talking earlier before recording that it's almost been six years, which feels just unbelievably strange. Um, Annie will share a little bit later how we met, which is also very strange. Um, but Annie's been here at Collective since the beginning. And um, I'll just share this before we jump into it. Annie, there's a little bit of mystery when Annie first showed up because she would come to Collective in the middle of service, she would just leave. And there's always this feeling when I'm like preaching and people walk out where I'm like, oh, they hate me. And at first I was, I was worried about that. Now I'm like, no, screw those people. They can go somewhere else. Um, later found out that Annie was an emergency vet. And so she was just on call. Um, so it wasn't personal, which was, which was really nice. And so um, Annie also, I said I would share this, has a podcast. I do. It's the My Veterinary Life podcast. There you go. So if you want to hear stories about veterinarians and what they go through, 
and you love animals, I guess, like you could totally check this podcast out. This is also the first person I've, I've sat with that does a podcast. And so, uh, Annie, thank you so much for joining and being here and being willing to share your story. You know, I'm lucky enough to know a lot of it and then I've seen a lot of it and um, I'm, I've been a part of a lot of the recent stuff, which is really cool. And so I'm excited though for other people to hear that. And so uh, kick us off, tell us, where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? And what was faith like in your childhood? Sounds good. We'll start at the very beginning. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed listening to everybody's stories. And it is it has been interesting from being here at the very beginning and being able to put faces and names to yeah. the people on the podcast. And then just feeling like you can... That, that's one thing that I love about podcasts and podcasting is you feel that connection to people through their stories. And so it's just been really cool. And so I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, so yes, where did I begin? I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and I'm an only child. And I went to a small private school. So actually K through 12, wow. with the same oh, yeah. 120 people. So <laughs> knew everybody, knew their parents, knew their middle names, wow. still remember some phone numbers. Like That's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. community. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and church was a part of my life growing up. So I was raised Catholic. My mom was Catholic. My dad is Protestant, uh, Episcopalian, I, yep. I think, but my mom was sort of the faith leader of our family. Her mom actually was raised by Catholic nuns. So wow. Catholicism, very strong yeah. in our family that way. So we were the the Saturday night churchgoers, go. like 5, 5.15. And pretty much every Saturday I was there. I did the um, Sunday Bible study growing up and went to Mass on Saturday nights. But I, I would say I didn't really feel like it was personal to me sure. at that point. Sure. Um, I knew it was something that we were going to do every Saturday yep. night and I wanted to be a good daughter and I wanted to kind of check all the boxes. And so I, I wanted to do all the, the right things and mm -hmm. church felt like a right thing, yep. but I don't think I really owned my faith there, which I think naturally leads into the, the next phase yeah. of, of faith for me because when I went to college, I made a conscious decision that I was not going to have religion to be part wow. of my life. Wow. So I I did well in school. Um, I think I, I think I really thrived in the in the small community that we had growing up. Um, but applied early decision to Princeton, got in, and so those two kind of things collided. And I it sounds really silly, but I think vulnerability is important. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I really I felt like I was too smart for religion. You know, sure. me knowing everything at 18 years old. Sure. Right? Sure. That, you've heard that a couple of times on the podcast too. Of like, <laughs> yeah. you get to a certain age and you're, you're like, like oh, yeah. why is everybody struggling? Like, I figured this all yeah. out. Like, yeah, yeah, 18, I've got it. Yeah. I think as, as we hear often, um, God's up there laughing at that point because that's really when he can yeah. do some work. Yeah. Um, but before that, I think my kind of philosophy is religion is something that people need almost like a crutch sure. to yeah. to get through hard things. And if you can sort of reason your way through things, then you don't need it. Sure. And so, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to be busy. I'm going to get my Saturday nights back. And I'm not, I'm, it's just, it's not something that I really like identify with. I'm not going to have that be a part of my life in college. So you moved away from home, right? So you, it's up in New Jersey, right? Yes. Yep. You're away from your mom. Did you talk to her about that? Like, how did she feel about that decision? Because it's not, it's not a pursuit, you, right? You, you're, you're saying very clearly, this wasn't, I was going and I was going to figure it out for myself. It was, I was going and this was not a part of my life. 
did your mom know, like, was there any like family pressure there or was she like, okay, like Annie, like you have to make your own decisions or was it just like, I'm not going to tell her. The latter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I didn't say anything about yeah. it. I mean, I think we were really close growing up. And so I think, I, I don't want to speak for her, but I think that that was sort of, it, we've, we've raised our daughter well. She's going to make good decisions. It, it, honestly, it wasn't a, a conversation. Yeah. 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 And so you're 18, you're living away. You're out of that small community mm-hmm. too, which is a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, at, a, at a great school and going... All right, this is who I am now, you know. Did you know at 18 that you were going to go into the veterinarian field or did you Okay, so science as well. Science, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, the whole thing, right? Yeah. So like science, like yep. I understand how the world works, yep. so I don't need religion. Um, yep. yeah, so I decided that I wanted to be a vet my senior year of high school as well. Yeah. So I had that plan, so I was taking all the pre-med classes yep. and really diving into that world with as it comes along with like learning about evolution and yep. like all these like very like fact based classes yep. is, is what I'm taking at that yeah, time at 18. Um, yeah. G- going from that community is difficult. That, that actually really sort of started me down the path of exploring faith because that rocked my world much more than I wow. thought that it would. Yeah. Um, because it was a small community, I think there were some, I, don't, I guess guardrails, but like not in the negative sense, but there were things in place, like structure in place that really helped young people thrive, which I'm very appreciative for. But then when those left, yep. Yep. I I wasn't quite sure where my footing was, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, we had amazing teachers and advisors to, to guide you in your courses. We had a three sport requirement. So we were wow. doing active, um, active team building activities every day after school. Wow. Yeah. That combination of like the structure of class to like feeling supported in the classroom, yeah. feeling supported afterwards, yeah. building community, feeling really comfortable with these people. Then when I go to college and I'm worried about the academics already, like I want to make sure that I do well. And so I, looking back now, I did exactly the opposite of what I should have done. And so I really doubled down on the schoolwork and did not make those connections. So I didn't join any clubs. I I originally was not planning on joining a sorority. Like I did not get connected with the people. I was like, well, I've got to do the the work. Like, and I think looking back also, I put more value in my identity of being smart than I really should have. And I think that was why I held onto it so tightly in college. It's like, well, if I, if I'm not smart, then like, what am like, who am I kind of thing. So it it added that extra layer of stress and pressure on me to like really focus on the academics. And what I didn't understand then is that it's, it's that community and it's the people that, and the, and the things that you do outside of work that really make you who you are. Um, so that was a, t- that was a, that was a challenging lesson to learn yeah. as, as a, as an 18 year old. Yep. And, th- and that had some real repercussions. So I, I never got diagnosed, but I, I feel if I didn't have panic attacks, I came pretty close sure. of just like feeling like I was drowning, like having a hard time breathing, getting lightheaded. Wow. Um, my parents were really concerned about me that first year. Um, you know, they, they're very supportive, um, I, I feel very appreciative for that the, the entire time. Like, yeah. just super supportive, both my mom and dad. But, like, if, if you don't want to do this, like, you don't yeah. have to be here. Like, yeah. it's, it, like it, it's, it's not worth it. It's, yeah. I remember my mom saying that. It's not worth it. 
And so I'm, I'm dealing with all of that, right? And my like underlying philosophy is that, well, if you're smart enough, then you can figure these yeah, things out on you your own. you can solve your own problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that, right? So I've got these out, outside pressures and I've got this internal pressure on myself to like figure this all out, but like with all these feelings mixed up in between as well. There was the academic pressure, but there's also the social pressure because I'd known all, all my friends my entire life. Yes. And so yeah. I felt really judged in college, like like more than I'd ever been before. And I understand why, right? Like you're meeting all these new people. So like labels are really all you have, right? Like you're the sports person, you're the sorority girl, like you're like this, this, and this. But I felt like I wasn't getting a chance to like get to know people and people weren't getting to know me. And then also knowing that I, I do have a, a people pleasing personality. I, I am a perfectionist. And so I wanted to like meet people yeah. well, right. Yeah. And like yeah. make friends yeah. well. Yeah. And so like yeah. having that feeling of judging was just very unsettling. Do you think part of it too with, with Princeton is academically, it's a really tough school so like naturally you guys know like the people there are smart you know and you're going into these like high pressure fields like is there's this, is there this culture of like you're just kind of sizing each other up as well it it i imagine you know cuz i went to a small christian school where academically i mean and it's actually it's a tough school academically but people aren't going in going oh are they the best at this thing you know or am i better than them because you already know at princeton it's better than a lot. And so going into the field you're in, there has to be some sort of like, even like the competitive nature of it going, are you better than I am at this thing that I was the best at in my home? Yeah, it was, it was bad. It was worse than I expected. Um, yeah. So at that time, I think they've done away with this policy, but there was grade deflation. So it, everybody was graded on a curve, but you would, there was only a certain number of A's, B's, C's that were given out. So like you could get a 93 and it could be a B if more people got a 96. Wow. Um, So I think they thought that that was going to catch on. Turns out it didn't catch on. I mean, that's brutal. Like as a competitive person, like I, like that would motivate me. Um, But also like if I couldn't work my way to that next tier, I would, I would eventually just give up. Like that is... Yeah. That's brutal. It was, it, and and I understand, like to be fair, like I understand the the intention behind it of like not diluting grades and you know an A is an A. Sure. But if you do that plus pre med, I mean, people were like hiding notes from people. Um, oh sure. I know. Yeah. I know a few people who actually took the classes before they went to college. So they took the pre med classes before they went to college, not for a grade, so that when they were enrolled. It was the second time they're seeing the material in yeah. order to boost so they their grade. It was yeah, it was pretty cut. Wow, yeah. So like that, I mean that, which adds a whole different level to it, right? And you mentioned like community-wise, you didn't have a ton of it, but also the community that they created there is almost a little bit cutthroat. And so, how close do you want to get to people that could be hurting your chances of success? Mm-hmm. So, dang, uh, that's a lot. That's a lot to kind of step into as an 18 year old, especially again, coming from such a small tight knit community to, I don't know if we're friends with anybody there. Yeah. So that's a lot. Yeah. And I think it's a lot and it was very isolating Sure. because I felt like, yeah, I wasn't sure who my friends were and I didn't have any people or any God to fall back on at that point. So it was just like me trying to struggle through this alone. And my parents tried to give me support, sure. but they're, they're not there. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
intentionally, right? That's the point of college. Like they're not there. Um, And so it was just, yeah, it, it really felt like drowning, I think is the, is the best analogy that I can come up with for, for that time. Yeah. So then during that time, I met one potential friend. <laughs> um, so she lived down the hall from me. Um, spoiler alert, she ended up becoming my roommate for the rest of the time yeah. in college. And um, I'm now a godparent of her second go. child. But at that point, she was a potential friend. And she invited me to Prince and Faith in Action, which was our version of like a college faith group on yep. campus. And I remember not wanting to go, but I wanted to make a friend. friend so yeah. I, I agreed to go on a Friday night and I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't. Nope, it was not really my thing. There was some hand raising. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about Jesus' blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do that a lot. Just, it just means a little, it hits a little different when you're in the medical professions. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to be talking about this right now. Yeah. Um, and so I was I was pretty weirded out, I would say, would be my, um, my official <laughs> conclusion from that night. But the one thing that I do remember that sticks with me, and I can still feel it, is that that was the first time at Princeton that I felt not judged. And I felt that the people there, there was a level of comfort with themselves and like in those interactions and just a level of like genuineness that I had not experienced before. And that really made me take a step back because that was what I had been looking for. It was not packaged the way that I was expecting, right? So there were some things that were off-putting about it for sure, but like that, like core truth of the of the people just feeling that sort of inner peace that I had been missing because everything was so tumultuous. But like having little like glimpses into other people who had sort of calmed. Sure. That was intriguing yeah. to me. Is I think is the best word for it. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, that's essentially. You know, we talk about this when the church first started, right? And they didn't have social media. They don't have marketing. But you see that the church grows throughout the book of Acts. And, and we've talked about this at Collective before. One of the reasons why is because people saw the way they were living and thought, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't, I don't know if I believe in Jesus, but I want that. Like, that feeling that they have, I want, I want that feeling. Um, you know, it really is the best way to show people who Jesus is. is isn't necessarily be like, come worship with me and <laughs> sing songs that you've never heard before. But you do see kind of the fruit of, of who Jesus is in the lives of people. And you're like, especially when you're in a season where you're like, I don't have that peace, but you're looking, oh, I, I want that peace. Mm-hmm. Or I want that safe community that I can be in, in a place that doesn't feel like it has safe community. Um, so how different was that Friday night from your Catholic upbringing? Was, was there like a band? Because you said people raise their hands. That doesn't happen in the Catholic church, right? Sure doesn't. No. Um, <laughs> so was it like on a scale of Catholic church to collective, which we know these are like the two extremes of that, <laughs> where did it fall kind of in that scale? Um, I would say if Catholic was one and collective was 10, probably like an eight and a half or oh, okay. a nine. Okay. Yeah. 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 We're, oh, we're yeah. on that That's side of the Yeah. <laughs> if you grew up Catholic and then the yep. next church you went to is collective, which we know <laughs> there are people who do that. And I'm like, this is church. I promise. Like this, that, but it is weird. <laughs> like it's a very, a very different thing. Um, so you went that one time. Did you go back? Yeah, so I didn't go back. I didn't go back for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, which, it which was is weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that feeling. I didn't go back for for a number of reasons. I, I let all the other stresses just kind of like dictate 
yep. my life over the next couple of months. I did. I was struggling with deciding whether or not I wanted to apply to transfer. Um, I did. I applied to two colleges to, to transfer after my freshman year. I got into both, and I had to make that decision. That was sort of a turning point, I guess, like rationally for me, because I, I was pretty confident that I could be happy at, at another school. And it was a matter of like, do I want to give this another try mm-hmm. or not? Um, and if I do, then it needs to be really different. Like I'm not going to do another year yeah. like this. And so I decided to stick it out one more year. I researched <laughs> making sure that I could apply to transfer again after my sophomore sure. year. Things are really going downhill. But do one more year, um, take a, a little easier course load and get connected. Just try new things. Yep. Good. Push outside of my comfort zone. Like try to get back to the things that were important to me yeah. beforehand. Like what was the formula that worked in Richmond yep. and, and yep. put that here? And so I joined the club soccer team, I joined the equestrian team, I joined a sorority. And through that sorority, I actually got connected with a few girls who were starting a Bible study. Wow. And so still the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, not really into the Bible study, looking for some friends. Yeah. Um, and I really and I and I noticed that same it was that same feeling. So when th- this group of girls kind of approached me the first time, I picked up on that again of like, no, these people aren't perfect, but there's some kind of inner peace that they yeah, have yeah. that I don't have. Yeah. Um, so I joined a Bible study as an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I was like very clear about this because then the like rational side of my brain was like, okay, well, if I am going to be an atheist then I should like commit to that sure. too. And I should figure out, like, I need to learn about the other options. I'd taken some religion courses in yeah. high school. I, I took one in college to my, my freshman year and I'm going to, I'm going to explore all the options. So I'm going to be like, I'm going to be a good atheist, right? I'm going to yeah. like decide <laughs> and like commit. Kind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I mean, I mean, okay. So I, it's tongue in cheek, but at the same time, like if, if you are going to go that route, at least know why you're going that route. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not so you can lawyer things, not so that you know the arguments, all the things, right. Which is what we do when we like oppose other people's viewpoints. But if you're going to make that decision, which again, like just to make sure we're clear, not the right decision, <laughs> but if you're going to make that decision, at least know why you're making it, mm-hmm. right? Put yourself in a place where you feel confident as much as you can about no, like this is this is who I am. This is what this is what I believe. Did the girls know that? Like, were you like very no? Okay, no. You were no. like I'm not, so you didn't show up and be like I'm Annie and I'm an atheist. Yeah, you yeah, know, no, hello. You were just no. like you know, but you so but so you went and kind of kept that private, but like we're kind of wrestling through these things with this group of girls. Yeah. So, yeah. So, exactly. Which is a good thing because, like, my, my biggest fear is that you would say, and then they, you know, they spent their entire time trying to convert me to Christianity, rather than creating the space for you to wrestle with it, which they didn't understand they were doing. But that's ultimately what they're doing. They're just giving you the space for you to figure crap out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so you started going. Did I you did. go regularly, or did you also like go a few times? You're like, this is super weird. No, I went. I went regularly, um, and I would say, yeah. So I didn't. Right. So I didn't come out yeah. with my big, yeah. big secret <laughs> at the very beginning. But so I just stayed, it looked, the way that it looked was I just became increasingly involved in the conversation. So the first couple of times I was pretty quiet. Like I was just yeah. listening, kind of taking it all in. And, you know, we had the little, um, the little like spiral notebooks and we had our homework each week. Yeah. And so I, I would do that on my own, but then be pretty quiet during the actual discussion. But then as I became more comfortable with the group and it, it really was an amazing group of girls. I'm very thankful for 
those yeah. people in my life at that particular time, then I'd be more comfortable because they were asking questions too. Sure. And yeah. I think that was yeah, it's good. something that was a little bit of a barrier for me of, well, you can't be a Christian if you have any doubts. Yeah. And so being an auditor in my Bible study initially and hearing um, the girls talk about the things that they're struggling with made me feel more comfortable to talk about yeah. the things I was struggling with. And so it was just sort of every week talking, like taking on these different topics and like having a place to go to yeah. when I was trying to read my Bible and things didn't make sense. Then I could talk to the girls and we had um, just an amazing I guess, advisor, um, a, a group leader as well, Lori, and we meet in her house too. So I think the, the setting also matters. You yep. know, you're away from yep. home. And yep. so you have this home away from home and this little community and like family that you're building. And so like I needed that first, like I needed the community first yep. and then I could take on these little like doubts and, and things that I was having as we were sort of working through these little lessons each yeah. week. That's awesome. I mean, that's the, the phrase that we say at Collective is like, you can belong before you believe. With, without any strings attached, right? Because um, if they did it just to try to get you to convert to Christianity, then it's like, okay, like this isn't pure. This isn't real. This isn't really what God asks us to do when it comes to building that community. Um, but they created a space where you're like, oh, nope, this is, you know, this, this family of people who are all kind of doing this thing together, even yeah. though, you know, there's different kind of levels of faith or non-faith like in that, in that group, um, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. It uh, is a big deal. There's sort of a defining moment there of like, all right, I've been on the fence for a little while. It, we're talking about how important faith is and kind of in really fully committing there. And so I made the decision, I remember, to to really almost like try it on fully. Sure. Like, which sounds sort of weird to say, but it's like, all right, well, like, if I'm going to be a Christian, like, what would that look like? So I, I'm not sure if that is who I'm going to be. But if I, if I am that person, then I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be yeah. reading my Bible regularly. Yeah. I'm going to be trusting God. And so I almost did like a trial period. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. <laughs> um, like, okay, well, like these are the things that Christians do. Yeah. Let's, let's trust God. Like, let's, let's see what that looks like yeah. in my life. And, and he really, he really met me where I was in, in that point. Um, like I specifically remember, I remember like the first couple times, like going back to praying in a different, so I, I prayed as, as a child, you know, we have the, the Lord's prayer, yep. Hail Mary, yep. those kind of things. And so the first sort of like conversational prayers that I had were, were very informal and <laughs> uncomfortable, right? Hello, God. Yeah, yeah. My name is Andy. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but I, I really wanted to give it a try and, and sort of like slowly through that, I, I remember like getting that feeling yeah. for the first time, which was very cool of yep. just like it's hard to put into words, but like things like if the weight felt lighter and honestly, like things felt brighter. Like yeah. I, I, like I really like felt like I had God's presence like with me and that things were going to be okay. It wasn't going to be perfect, right. but that we're going to do this together and that he really is real. Yeah. And it was really interesting because he, he like worked through the doubts too. Cause then I felt like I could almost like talk to like him about them yeah. too. And yeah. he was like, like with me, like even just like walking on campus, like I felt like his presence with me because we had already kind of gone through some of those wrestling steps. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was a that was a huge huge turning point for me. Yeah, and I do want to point out for those of you listening who are struggling with your faith, I, I think it's really important that Annie didn't say it was to test God. What you're doing is saying, okay, I'm going to try to have a relationship with you, and what do healthy relationships have? They have communication. 
right? They have time. Um, they have patience and they have listening, you know, all these good things that make up a good friendship or, you know, what you experience even in that group, you're saying, okay, God, let, let's do this together and see what happens rather than, you know, pull the rabbit out of the hat to prove to me that you're real. And that's so important for those of you who are struggling with your faith. And I'll, you know, I'll say it from time to time, a collective, like, what's the worst that could happen? And, and I think the way you said it, it's like, it's like a test drive. Like it's a trial run going, okay. Like, I'm going to do the things that I know lead me closer to him, and I'm going to see if I feel that. For you, feeling that presence, feeling that joy, feeling that peace, seeing that community, that started pulling you in deeper. So what was that like? Yeah, yeah. I prayed about school, right, because yeah. like, that was a big stressor in my life. But I prayed differently. Like, I remember praying, God, I trust that you're here on this side of the test and you're still going to be with me on the other side and you know what's going to happen and so i just want to feel you be with me yeah, like good. so versus asking for something thinking more about like the relationship yeah. component and like that these events are just pieces of the relationship they're not like the yep. end goal yep. kind of thing yeah yeah that's really good so when you really started to lean in what grade were you in this is sophomore year. Okay. Yeah, second, like second half of sophomore okay. year. Okay, so faith starts happening and growing, and you ultimately choose not to transfer. I do. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the next few years like? Yeah, so I declared my ecology and evolutionary biology major, so I was deep, deep into the science classes, and that was actually, that was a really, really cool time because instead of what I kind of expected to happen of like learning about evolution and like learning about all of these like very data heavy classes, instead of making like alienating me from faith, it actually brought me closer. And we learned about things like how it's impossible for humans to like truly create a random number. Um, I know everybody has lots of different feelings about evolution, but at least for me personally, I don't find it contradictory to Correct. the Bible. Yep. I find it actually su- supportive. And so that was really big for me too, to be able to like integrate those kind of two sides of my brain yeah. of like trusting God, not taking my new faith and then changing my major and like running away from those sure. things, yeah, but good. like yep. bringing it in yep. and thinking about these things that I really struggled with, you know, li- like evolution. And yeah, I think be- being able to bring God into yep this like science side of my brain um was really powerful and so i think you know what did those next few years like it was about sort of exploring my faith like in my major but also like trusting god with these sort of like social situations and finding a new identity away from like i I just i like i have to do well on these tests in order for like people to like me which sounds like way oversimplified and silly but like when I think about it now, like that's kind of like what I was feeling is like, well, if I, if I do everything perfectly, then there will be nothing, like nobody will have anything to complain sure. about. Like there's, there's no reason why people won't like me. Yeah. It's sort of like, it, it was driven by fear really. Yeah. And I think, um, knowing God helped kind of melt away some of those, those fears that were driving my behaviors before. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, like, I'll, I'll just say this really quickly for for people who get kind of stuck on the evolution thing with with Christianity. Um, there's a lot of different thoughts on on all this, so I'll just say my own personal thought and um, throw myself out there. So you can either take it or leave it. I guess I don't know. You could hate me more or less because of this. My own opinion is that I do think God created everything. 
Um, but I also, the way I understand the way the world works, which is this much, like a very small amount compared to people like Annie, is um, it is very possible that God created this world to have a functioning, living, breathing set of species and humans and society and um, these ecosystems that are so intricate. And um, the way that I understand it and the way that I believe it is that God created this world to where it could exist. And that is why a lot of what we see is like, why is this thing, you know, that people say it's 10 million years old. Okay. Like God could have created a world that had, you know, 10 million years of development and growth in it because he's God. There's also a piece of it too. If you read the book of Genesis, the word that's used for time when it comes to day one, day two, day three, day four, um, they didn't have, you know, the word day didn't exist. It was time. We've translated it to day. And so then we, in our brains go 24 hours, but that might not have been what the case was. And there's just a lot that, that shows like, man, God could have created this world with, with everything in place. So it is. And over time, things change and adapt and evolve is the word to be what they are now. I mean, we as people are not the same as the people who lived thousands of years ago you know, um, in good and bad ways, right? There's some developments that we've developed, you know, the intelligence we have is beyond what people had thousands of years ago or else they would have invented cars and computers. Like they didn't do that. Like our, our you know, last hundred years, a few hundred years did that. Um, there's also the negative side of that where, you know, there's diseases and viruses and things that also didn't exist. Like life is always changing and it is adapting to the things that are around it. And so um, that's a quick I've never talked about this topic on a Sunday morning, but I would just encourage those of you who feel like these two things are in conflict is, is to dig a little bit deeper and you can, and you can very much have a strong faith in God and also be in a field of science and say, man, there's some mystery here. Um, there's also some understanding here and that's okay. And, um, it's great that you did not lean out of that because, um, you know, when we were growing up in school, like that's when a lot of the fights started happening about like evolution and creation and like what they were teaching and, and all that. So we grew up in that era of like, oh, this is a, con- a controversy and attention. Um, it would have been really easy for you to say, okay, this is a controversy and tension, therefore I'm out. Mm-hmm. But you leaned in more and that grew your faith more. So continue to talk us through like, okay, so what's that like in college? Like as you continue to feel like you know you're you're experiencing God on a higher level and experiencing God in all that you do relationships but also your field you know kind of take us through like okay so what was that like and as you finished up college yeah so can navigating like through the rest of college stayed close with my with my bible study group for sure like all the way through there i would say there weren't too many additional like challenges of faith through college it was more just kind of like maintaining and strengthening the sort of the big breakthroughs that I had had and just kind of exploring like who I was, I think yeah. of what are the things that make me, me. And like, I think my faith kind of gave me some confidence in that. Um, I didn't really talk about it as sort of a, a theme. I mentioned it a couple of times, but like really that, like that people pleasing perfectionism was a, a very big like driver of like what decisions I'm going to make or like how I'm feeling. And I, I, I still really struggle with that. And so I think faith is definitely helping me with that of like being able to define myself by how God defines me and by how, you know, the things that, that I like to do instead of like rearranging my life to make everybody else happy. And so that was sort of the journey that I started in those like years following after college. And then after that, 
stayed, stayed on my plan, right? So I went, um, I did, well, I took a year off after college, but then I went into vet school. So yeah. I got accepted into NC State. So I packed up and moved to, to Raleigh, to Another the south, move. after my four years of New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, which is very different. <laughs> very different. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little bit easier to have faith in North Carolina. Yeah. Than it yeah. is in New Jersey. Did you, and you also like at that point, you're, it's another change. You're separated from that good community. You've had good community in two places, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good you point. know, had to fight for it in, in New Jersey a little bit more. So what was that like? Did you have that same community? Did you find that same community at this point? Like, were you going to church on Sundays? You know, what, what was that like? And again, it's another environment, another change, another group of people. Um, what was faith like during that season? Yeah. So yes, great point. Um, easier to believe in Raleigh, plenty of churches to choose from. I think the New Jersey faith was a faith that I needed at that time. Like I needed to have other people questioning. Like, I think that that was a really important component to feel in community with other people who had doubts. Um, and then going to North Carolina faith was much more cultural. Like yep. it was everywhere. There's yeah. churches everywhere. It was like a very common thing to know my classmates were like also yeah. going to church. Yeah. Um, I did. I got connected into a church and I would go almost every Sunday. And I think uh, even even that was a change of like, that's time that you can't be studying, right? Yeah. So like yeah. that's time that you <laughs> yeah. are picking, you're, you're studying yeah. aside. Um, and so I'm I'm really glad that I did that. Um, was ha- happy with my church in Raleigh. Um, I had classmates, there were a couple of friends that would kind of come and go like relatively regularly. Like there wasn't like a core group every Sunday, but always had people to go with. I continued my faith journey. It it was more of an individual thing at that point though. Um, So I was going to church. I really appreciated the messages. Um, I also got into church podcasts at that time. So I was running a lot. And so it'd be like listening to other churches messages as well. And so I feel like I was growing in my faith that way and like learning more aspects of of about God and, and Jesus there. But I didn't have a, a ton of like faith conversations with other sure. people. Sort of a, a, a maintenance phase. Yeah. Fourth and final year of vet school was when my dad got diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer. Yeah. I mean, it shifted everything, right? Like it shifted everything. So it was challenging on all levels, but it did not really challenge my faith, which I thought was a, it was. I don't even want to use the word test. It was a, it was an important. Uh, point in my relationship with God, but because I'd able to like kind of articulate my doubts in college and kind of dealt with some of those things previously, it's like I, I knew God was with me. Yeah. I knew God was here. I knew He was going to be on the other side. I knew He was going to be there through the entire journey, whatever those next three months were going to look like. Yeah, and it was a it was a trip those next three months. Um, I ended up getting, I pull, got pulled out of my clinical rotation. So during fourth year of vet school, you do a different like service, a different specialty every two or three weeks. So internal medicine, surgery, dermatology. And I remember I was recovering a horse from anesthesia and like sitting on the, on the floor, like waiting for the horse to wake up. Cause they, they get laid down for a surgery. So they have to, we have to help them get up. And the surgery resident told me, go home. Like what, wow. what's going on right now is, is way more important than anything wow. here. Go home. And I'm like, there's a, this there's horse, horse yeah. is in our surgery suite. Yeah. Like, I think that I need to be here. Yeah. And she's, and, and she was the one that told me, she was like, it's just a horse. Wow. Go home. And I walked out of the, the surgery suite and I, I went back to Richmond wow. and, um, so I was home with dad for, 
for that month, um, kind of right up until he passed away. And we, we tried to have him at home, which is not going to be sustainable. Um, he was up every two hours. Uh, you know, it hurts to swallow. Yeah. It's hard to eat. Um, and so we had to move him into an assisted living facility. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's, he's 58 at this time. And so we're like shopping for these different facilities and it's all yeah. 70, yeah. 80 year olds, right? Like this is their retirement home. And so yeah. I mean, we found one that was the, the, the best of the, the situation, yeah. but it, man, that feeling of moving your dad in and like going to the cafeteria and you're looking around and like everybody has white hair yeah. and like my dad's there and I'm like, is this this is really happening. Yeah. Um, that was tough. That was really, really tough. And so his condition declined quickly, you know, as we were expecting, we moved him into hospice and then we eventually had to move him into, um, down at MCV in Richmond. So into hospice care in a hospital setting. So those three months were also the three months leading up to my vet school graduation right. too. So I, I was our class president in school. So I was invited to, to speak at graduation. So I remember like writing my speech, like by my dad's bedside. Wow. So we weren't sure how yeah. that timing was all going, going to go. Um, so I was writing my speech and I was also like kind of blogging each day. Cause we, we did, we had an awesome like outpouring of support and that was kind of our way of, of communicating to yeah. everybody. Yeah, so it's not up to phone date. calls and text messages. Yep. Yeah, yep. So yeah. we had a um, we had a page and we're and we're and I'm kind of writing everything down as we go. And like it was like in those like times of writing that I really I really like felt God's presence of I I don't know why all this is happening. I may not know like it's not it's not my role to know yeah. why this is happening, but I know that that God is here. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Like there was that feeling of peace that I'd been looking for back in college, yep. like was all over. It's like, this situation is terrible, but you can have peace in terrible yep. situations. And so it, it was a little bit of an out of body experience, right? You're like, there's no way this is happening to me. Like I'm not, sure. I'm not going through all of this, yeah. but the, the grounding factor was God and my faith and just knowing like almost, it was almost like a warmth. Like it was like, it's, it's, it's yeah, going to be, but you're not alone. It's going to be okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, and, and like you said, your dad's fifty-eight. So at the time, how old were you? Mid twenties. Mid, mid, yeah, mid to late to like twenty-six, yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, I joked when I turned my mid twenties. All those things about life that I knew were hard became things that like you go through. Yeah, and you're they're like, hard for me now. Yeah, so you're like, wow, <laughs> yeah. that's how you know you're an adult. Um, you do. Your family does have faith, which is good. Mm-hmm. You know, being the only child and being as young as your dad was, like. There is also the, the the mom side of things where it's like to be a widow. We're going through the same thing. We we're experiencing it from very different yeah. perspectives too. Because you know, at this point, I I moved away from home. I sure. I've had a close relationship with my dad, but I, I don't see him every day. And yeah. this is her life partner that she's yeah. losing. And so I sort of became the sort of the, the rock of yeah. like our little Stability. family yeah. unit. Um, I think also a little bit because of my medical background, so I understood yep. what. Yep. the doctors were trying to tell us and kind of how things were going to progress better than my mom who has no sure. medical background. That's no, sure. it's no fault of her own. Yeah. It's just yeah. you know, what I've been doing for the yeah. past eight years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the doctors sort of like default to talking to me. It went on me to kind of keep track of, I mean, it was on 
30, 35 like medications. I remember oh making gosh. like a spreadsheet like yeah. schedule to keep track of all of these things. And so all that fell on me. I think it was part of my my coping, right? Yep. Of like stay busy and like yep. don't think about this too Order, much. Order, structure, organization, like yeah, all yeah. yeah. But I, I think that, that was sort of a whole other thing to unpack. I think I'm appreciative to God for giving me the presence of mind to be able to kind of to sort out the assisted living. Like that was sort of yeah. on me too. Um, I, I wrote the obituary. I was working on all the, all these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then, then, then everything collided. We actually ended up, um, deciding to have him be in a, a medically induced coma, um, until he would pass at the end because it was so painful. Like he was so painful. Um, and during that time I learned that I would be receiving, um, an award like end of the year awards for school. Wow. Um, you know, I'm on like all these like yeah. medical emails that I'm getting, like this one pops yeah. through and, you know, I had to laugh. I, I really feel like it, it was a God thing because, uh, my dad was always, he loved awards <laughs> more than anyone yeah, right. that I know. And it's so silly. Like we have this whole like wall in our house, um, in my childhood home of like anytime you get an award. Yeah. So like he has, he had his work awards, like he, yeah. he was a sales manager and he did very well. And so I was like, well, I think he'd want me to go down yeah. and yeah. and yep. go to Raleigh. And you know, we don't know how much time we have left, but I, I think that this is where I'm supposed to go. Yeah. Uh, I ended up receiving four awards that evening. Wow. It was such it was such a special time. Yeah. Um, it makes me uncomfortable to say it now because I, I don't mean it like bragging wise, but I just mean it that like, I really think it was a God thing. It's yeah. like God knew that like dad was so proud of me for being a vet yeah. and he loved hanging stupid yeah. certificates <laughs> yeah. on the wall and so it's like yeah. you're not going to get one you're going to get four like dad's with you yeah. your vet school family's with you all yeah. these people who supported yeah. you and made this work for the last couple of months they're all here with you and that was wow. just like it was such an amazing night and then i go back i'm heading back on the train the next day and my mom meets me at the station and she's crying and my dad has passed while i'm wow. on the way home looking back and i think he was waiting until I, until I yeah. left to pass. But I still think that that was where I was supposed to, that was where I was supposed to be at that time. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, you know, cause you could look back now and understand if you didn't go and you stayed, but you would have regretted that if you didn't go, yeah. you know, and, you know, and I, and I know you didn't get back and you know, your mom's crying. You're like, but I won these awards, you know, no. anything like that. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. you know, the, I think, the way you see it and the way you understand it is like, it's good. While it is hard to experience death, when you have faith, you also understand that the pain is gone. And, you know, there is this opportunity to spend eternity with the healthy version, Mm -hmm. you know, so that when you have faith and it's, it feels like coping sometimes, right? Like when we go through hard things, but like scripture says, like, we, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, there's this opportunity for us to be in heaven and there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, right? Our memory of those people isn't the last memory we had here on this earth. You know, that is what Jesus promises us when we follow and trust him. Mm-hmm. Again, doesn't mean there isn't grief, doesn't mean there isn't mourning, everything and everything that comes with it should come with it. Mm-hmm. But there is this kind of like, there's, there's, a, there's less of a bottoming out yeah. Um, when faith is such a big part of that. And so, um, so what did you do next? Because uh, you did graduate. Mm-hmm. So dad passed. The following week, we had his funeral. The week after that, 
was graduation. Yeah. And I did. I ended up uh, addressing the the group. I made the decision to have uh, in my speech a collective moment of remembrance for those who would were not yeah. able to be there in person for for whatever reason. Yeah. And I felt um, I felt really strongly about that. I think it's not just me, right? They're, like everybody yep. experiences loss, yep. and I- I'm feeling this on this day particularly strongly. But death has touched many people mm-hmm. in this community. And one of the things that I've learned from vet school, so the, the title of my speech is um, People Are Animals Too. Um, because, you know, a lot of people yeah, yeah. it's like, well, I go yeah. to vet school because like, I don't want to work with people. Yeah, I want to help yeah. animals. And yeah. it's like, no, really, the strength is that the amazing people that you meet on the other side of the leash or on the halter or yeah. lead rope or like whatever you have. And and so I wanted to kind of bring that like humanness into yeah. um, into our time. And like through all that, I look back and I'm like, I could not have done it without God. Like he, he was there holding my hand every single bit of the way there. And, and just like I had prayed for, like, just be with me through this. You're, you're already on the other side too, in a way that we can't really understand here, but just be with me through that time. So I ended up going on, I did a one year internship, um, in Middleburg, Virginia afterwards. So sports medicine internship and, I did, I actually delayed the start of that internship just to have a little bit more time with mom. And and to your point of kind of like trying to get things as, you know, as settled as you can. Settled is not the word. Settled as you can. I took two months. Um, So obviously not not enough time to solve all the problems. Enough time to catch your breath a little bit. But it was, it was also an important moment for me because I think before that, before this whole perspective shift, it had been like, well, work is the most important thing. Like I have to start on time. And it's like, it's not like it's 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 not like what's two months yep. to this internship program yep. that was not how i was thinking before like school is the most, most important yeah. thing like work at, like the progression was the most important thing and so that was a big a big big shift for me and something that i that i keep with me now uh faith during that internship year it's a challenging year uh so you're on call 24 7 so you said yeah it was yeah. an emergency that when you met yeah. me at collective yeah. so yeah. Still, still doing that which is amazing for learning right you get a ton of cases but we had four days off per month total so every other saturday sunday all yeah. through the week every night at any point we could get a call it could be 10 p.m it could be 3 a.m yeah. it could be double like back-to-back emergencies you just don't no. Wow. And we also had to be within 15 minutes uh, from the practice at any time because, because okay. of the emergencies. So I explored churches there. It's, it's Virginia, right? Yeah. So there were churches available, yeah, yeah. but I never found a church that year. It was a stagnant period of faith. And so when I was looking for my next step afterwards, that was how I got to Frederick. So I got connected with a vet actually who worked at the internship practice okay. and she started her own practice yep. out here in, in Myersville. And I was going to come here I decided that was that was going to be the, the next step, um, and I knew that I didn't want to go through that same church search yeah. again. Yeah. Um, and so I was talking to one of my friends about it, who's from the Northern Virginia yep. area, and I heard about Collective because she had gone on a few dates yep. with one of your friends. Yeah, he was our project. Um, he was our essentially our project manager. So I remember coming to Collective, like I, I really want, like it was important to me to have yeah. that community and her recommendation was really valuable to me. Yeah. Um, she had been an amazing friend throughout that school. So I remember showing up 
to like a planning meeting of yeah. collective yeah. Um, in a building that I'm still not really sure where it is in Frederick. Like I could not get back to it. Um, you all know, did some team building. Um, there was some planning. This is like before the, fir- the first preview service. Was it in like a where- like an office type building? Yeah, it was in like a, yeah, an office suite. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you essentially came to uh, what you would call like a launch team meeting, which yeah. was like, hey, we are moving toward this goal. Do you want to be a part of this thing? Uh, I'm very thankful you stuck with us through all that because <laughs> they were, we were winging it. You know, we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, but yeah, that was pretty, that was summer before 2017. Yeah. 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 And I think the interesting thing about that was like, yeah, so it didn't look like church, but yeah. it was that same feeling that I remember. Like, yeah. I remember getting transported back to like walking into that Prince of Faith in Action meeting. And it's like, I don't know these people, but I know that there is that sort that inner yeah. peace we've got this like commonality, you know, yeah. God's been important in my life. It's important in, in these people's lives as well. So like, yeah. let's meet them. Like, let's be open to that experience. Uh, so I went to the pre-launch service where you preached on zombies. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of feedback about that one. It, it did not affect me one way or the other. Um, but I really, I, again, like I liked that, yeah. that feeling. I liked the, the mission of the church. I think I'd gotten a little bit more of that background than the yeah. average person from coming to the launch yep. meetings of, um, and remember you saying, it's like, it's, it's not going to be the most analytical, like, let's look at these individual texts and compare them across and, like, be really, like, vi- like cerebral about it. Yeah. It's going to be about, like, the, we're going to teach the way that the, that the Bible taught, that Jesus taught, and we're going to bring in people from all different backgrounds and all different stages in their faith, whether it was despite of, because of, or neutral to the zombies. I kept coming back. (laughs) Gosh, I can't even remember what I talked about that. But, you know, you still stuck it out. Yep. I thought it would be a really cool experience to be involved with the church at the beginning. So, So that was one thing. And then sort of separate from that was just that, like, that sense of a realness of collective that I, that I really, I really appreciated and I feel like it was a way to get connected into my new community. It was a way to kind of reconnect to faith. And it, it did. It, it met or exceeded all, yeah. all of my expectations. So I, I joined the Connections team. Yep. Um, you're very patient with my on-call schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I felt like Clark Kent sometimes. I would get a call and I'd go into the bathroom and <laughs> I would yep. transform yep. into my equine vet outfit and yep. take off into the day um, in my vet truck. <laughs> um, but everyone was very patient with that. Yeah. And it, it made me feel very connected to the church too because now, you know, for those of you who are, who are serving at Connect, at collective it's very organized right there's like yeah. very specific yeah. roles and you know what you're going to be doing and in the beginning it's like you're going to come in you're going to push some bins down yeah. the middle school hallway you're going to set up some communion you may do some offering you yeah. may make a sign for outside <laughs> yeah. if you have some spare time so it was like how are you with chalk pens yeah, exactly. yeah. i think yeah. rachel might have asked me that exact yeah. question yeah. at some point yeah um and so there's like a chaos to it but it's also uh, a really awesome way to bond with the other people on the team and to really feel like you're making a huge impact, yep. right? Because when your team is small and there's so many things to do, it's it's very apparent that that you're needed and yep. that um, this, is a, this is a cool thing that's happening. So. Yeah. And, and you get to see it working. Yes. All the things that you long for, all the things that you long for other people to have and experience, uh, you, you start to like feel it and watch it tangibly happen. And it's just this like... It, again, it's the beauty of who Jesus is. It's the beauty of the church when you get to see it from that that angle. And 
Um, but for you, one of the big things too is, um, we don't do this often. I think we've done it twice at collective where I've like taught on baptism and I've said, Hey, if you're ready, um, you should get baptized. And we give people the opportunity that day, which we don't tend to do because we want to make sure people understand like the decision that they're making and why they're making it and what it means. And we also want to hear part of the story to know how did you get here so we can share it? Cause there's other people that are sitting in those seats that are wrestling with the same things. But on one of the Sundays at West Frederick, we're like, okay, I'm gonna teach on baptism. And if you're ready, you should do it. And we knew some people getting baptized that day. And so we kind of had it planned out. And I remember like you stepping up and I'm just like weeping because at that point, like we'd grown really close. Even you being honest with Ray and I with, you know, some of the things that you were wrestling with. But, you know, you you stepped in that day. Um, Celebrating that was is a really big deal. What made you go to that place where you're like, okay, no, let's, you know, of all the experiences you've had, you know, this was the one where you're like, "I, I want this. Yeah. Having my mom there was very important to me. So that was definitely something that was a factor in it being that particular day. Yeah. But I think leading up to that, I would say that Collective is probably the place where I feel the most community with my faith. Yeah. Um, so obviously college is where it was really born. Yep. Um, but honestly, even then looking back, I, it, I had that Bible study community, but I didn't have a great church community sure. in college. Um, and then... Same, like looking back vet school, it was a great church, but I never found my people at that church. And I feel like, and then of course, during my internship, I, I didn't find a church. Yeah. And so this was really the time that I found a church that I think that resonated with me. I knew that this was going to be the church that I wanted to be baptized in, but it was sort of just a matter of time. And so I had sort of increased in, in my faith and in my commitment to co- collectives. So I was volunteering more regularly. Yeah. Um, we, we had some, some dinners at, yeah. at your house. The first dinner that we had, I showed up to your door. Like, not, I mean, we had had the plan, right? But I, I showed up. We had, did not know each other very well. Nope. And I had some very pointed questions yep. for you all about my current relationship. Yep. Um, it, we talked about, about premarital sex and yep. like how Christian relationships should look in the sort of dating phase, yep. engagement phase, marriage phase. I was really wrestling with some of those things. And I, I do, I think that God was with me in those moments yeah. because again, otherwise I would, would have never shown up to yeah. a pastor's house and talk yeah. about these kinds of things. Um, but I think that sort of like accelerated our relationship too. Yeah, kind of yeah. like, who yes. is this person moving yeah. out of town talking, like very open about these yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but getting to know you and Ray better and getting more involved and invested in the connections team it, it was very clear that like this is where I wanted to be, and so everything sort of lined up for that that day. Uh, it was a, a very very special moment, yeah. for sure. You know, kind of moving forward a little bit, like you you one of the things that I I admired was like you had one of those. Everyone's like I have a hard job. And it's like this is a job where you have a schedule. Um, and you would do everything you could to say, okay, this is my schedule, so therefore this is when I can be at Collective, I'm going to be here. Um, but it, it really wasn't actually a schedule. It was you were just on call all the time. Mm-hmm. And you did that for a while. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was in the, the primary equine vet role for three years, yep. and I was in the relationship that we talked about before. Uh, we actually got engaged and trying to decide was this the right decision for for me because I really I really didn't know. I said yes because I I wasn't confident enough to say no at that time. It was like a, a yes maybe. Yeah. Which is a really scary place to be and realizing that you're on such a different page than the other person. We ended up being engaged for only a week. I broke off the 
engagement, my mom uh, came up to sort of support me through that. And that was a really hard time because that was early 30s at that yeah. point. And so that's when like all the, the doubts are mm-hmm. creeping in of like, I'm getting older. Am I yep. going to find somebody? Yep. Um, am I making a really big mistake? Because like I said, it wasn't no. It was like, may, may, like maybe this could work. I'm just yeah. I'm not sure. Like there are some things that are making me nervous. There are some, but there are some really great things too. Am I making a really big mistake by saying no? I remember Ray said to you, hey, I think you already know what the right decision is. And you're like, I do. And we're like, hey, text us. And you texted us like that day. I broke it off. And again, like Ray and I were like, who is this person that like seeks out wisdom, but also like trust what God is telling her to do, even though it's really hard. And even though like you're in your early thirties and you're wrestling with, you know, you've been in school for so long, like, shouldn't you be settling down all mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't easy. No. Right. Cause you don't want to hurt people and it hurt. Yeah. I like, I knew in my gut, but there were so many reasons that I could have said yes or like made it work. I could probably have made it work. Sure. Yep. Um, yeah. But even that, that little bit of margin you knew you had, you're like, this isn't, this isn't it. Yeah. And, and, and faith was a component of that too. Like, you know, he was sort of ex- exploring his faith and I wasn't sure that I was comfortable with where he was and where I was like yep. in, in those discussions too. And then yes, on top of that, then I like, once I try to start reflecting about this, then I'm now like going to West Virginia to try to take care of a horse who yeah. like ran into a fence <laughs> yes, or something. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, there's no time yeah. to reflect on, yeah. on any of this, but shortly thereafter, and it was more honestly, like at the beginning, I, I met my my now husband yeah. shortly shortly after that, and in the beginning it was it was just seeking like companionship. Yep. It's like I I'm just like looking for somebody to to talk to like um, to kind of get through this really hard time because as anybody who's gone through a breakup knows like the feelings don't just end yep. right. Yep. You have to have that sort of healing phase. So I was just like looking for some kind of companion um, and the, like a platonic companion is sure. the opposite sex to just like talk to you like yeah. during this time. And, and if I'm going to be very vulnerable to, to, to make me feel loved again, like, yeah. or, or somebody that's interested in me. Yep. Right. Cause that was my fear of like, I'm not going to be able to find anybody. Yep. So even just like finding people who seem interested was comforting. Yeah. I think so. So I met Matt during this phase and uh, he was actually also in a, a sort of similar phase of having just ended a, a long-term relationship um and so we sort of grew, we grew and got to know each other like with that sort of i mean we met on a dating app so i can't yep. i'm not gonna lie and say yeah. like oh yep. we bumped we <laughs> yeah. bumped into each other across yeah. the street but yeah. so you know there there was that sort of like undertone but ne- both of us knew we weren't ready at that point for a relationship so it was actually really nice it took the pressure off yeah. of those conversations of just getting to know each other and so our relationship grew and and through that, of course, we had conversations about faith because that, that is a very important thing to me. And and even having go- gone through the previous relationship and knowing that that was a point of tension there, I wanted to be upfront about those conversations like early. And he was clear that he grew up in the church, but church is not a part of his life now. So we dated for about a year, and then the pandemic hit. Yep. I had kind of come to a boiling point with my job and I knew that that was not going to be sustainable for me long term, which is hard because I loved, like I loved what I did, but I, but just time wise needed to make a change. 
Matt and I ended up spending a lot, a lot of time in lockdown together, right? With the quarantines and yeah. everything that was going on in March, 2020, I'm applying for a new job at that point. And these big life events also make you sort of question these kinds of things. Yeah. Like, like, who is God? Like, what is this? And I remember just having, like having the time then to have those conversations about like telling my story of like why my faith is yeah. the way that it is and, yeah. and learning more about him and how he grew up in the church. And I was driving myself crazy. I was really in my head about having to be the person for Matt to like bring faith yeah. back into his life of like, I need to say the right, the exact right things yeah. or have the exact right, like counterpoint to any questions that he yeah. might have. And if I can do all those things perfectly, like then he'll come back to yeah. Christianity, which of course goes back to my perfectionist tendencies. And I just remember one day, like there wasn't any like particular instigating factor. Like I just remember thinking this all of a sudden of like, that's not your job. Nope. Like it's not your job and it's too much pressure to put on one person. Yep. Matt's faith is Matt's faith. Like you know who he is. You can be part of that, right? Yep. You can share your journey. You can uh, demonstrate, like you can show how you're different because of the way that God changed my life. Yep. But I can't be the only source of religion for him. Yep. And so I knew I knew who Matt was, but I'm confident in the God that I know. And if God can reach me when I had all of my doubts, then I, I know that, that God can reach him yeah. too. Um, and, and I want to be on that journey with him um, because he understands that he sees the value of, of religion, yep. right? And growing up in the church and, yep. and having that community and, and knows that's important for, for a family. That's something that we both that we both want. And so for me, like that foundation is there and we and we can go on this journey yeah. together. Yeah. Because what I didn't realize also is that in having these conversations, it challenged my faith in a really good way, in a way that I hadn't done in a really long sure. time. Because if you're only with people who have really strong faith, mm-hmm. then you don't get the hard questions. Yeah. yeah. And and to like Matt's also not trying to poke holes in anything that you believe. Like he's mm-hmm. man, do we have great conversations about faith? And there is a big piece of it with you know, not to share too much of his story, but like some of his disconnecting from church was church related. Mm -hmm. You know, part of Matt's journey has been his own healing and seeing church differently. Mm -hmm. You know, Matt's on the team. He serves that collective. Uh, He's involved. He loves this place. You go back to what it was for you at Princeton. It was these, these girls saying, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? Not forcing anything, but but creating space Mm -hmm. and allowing people to be in that space. And you've essentially taken what you've learned and done that with Matt and you've created space still a lot of wrestling we all still wrestle with questions and doubts and it's never you know what it, do we even know what perfect faith looks like and the answer is no but the difference is like you're you're with him on it it's not like attention it's all super full circle it's like so much of your life is full circle in a way that when you do the healthy things and you trust God and, and again like going back to what's the theme of this podcast like God can redeem those things in our life that aren't great things or are hard things. And for you, you have kind of these multiple points in your life where you're seeing what you wrestled with and what you struggled with. God saying, hey, that that felt rough at the time, but here's some redemption mm-hmm. and here's some good from that. And, and that is your marriage with Matt. Um, I also want to point out too, Paige, who shared on the podcast yeah. a few episodes yeah. ago, she shared this story about a running club 
and being invited. Was that you? That was me. Yeah. I, I am the Annie in yeah. that story. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember if she said it was Annie or just a friend. I'm and I'm clean. like, I'm coming clean. again, like this is a, but again, like, you know, so it's not just that this is a church you're a part of and, and you've been baptized in. You invited someone who was pretty new in your life. Um, and we got to celebrate Paige getting baptized. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think just about a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, again, these like incredible, redemptive, full circle moments. Even giving faith a try at first was a big trust thing. You know, going through what I went through with my dad was a huge trust thing, right? And that was the first time that I really experienced like holding really painful things and still maintaining joy, like not happiness, but joy. And you have to have trust to do that. And then it was trust that made me show up at your house for for dinner that day and be that vulnerable. Like trust, I think, is, is... at the the root of my entire story, which I think is a really interesting contrast because control was sort of the the thing before that, yeah. right? Like I just thought I could control or like logic my way out yeah. of things. Hmm. And you can't really control and trust at the same time. Yeah. Trust by its nature makes you let go of some of that control. And I think and and it's only been God that's allowed me to let go that way. Yeah. That's incredible. While that is true, like there's a lot of trust, it is still something that it's like a daily decision. It's a daily yeah. wrestling. It's a daily, you know, big things happen. And you're going, okay, like how do I seek, you know, out the peace that I want? Okay, it is trust. Like it is a, is a constant I got to remind reminder. myself yeah. to trust. It's not, it's yeah. not a human, yeah, it's, it's not and, natural, but and, yeah. and there's proof. Like it's not, yeah. there's a track record of it, but it's still something that you're actively going, okay, this is what I'm choosing today. Um, which is just uh, one of the best parts of, of your story and, and and seeing kind of up to this point, like this this fullness of it, a lot. There's a lot that's happened and there's a lot of growth and a lot of wrestling, a lot of decisions. And um, But if you had some advice, like some wisdom that you can offer, uh, you're like, hey, I've been through this thing, I've wrestled with this thing, so therefore like, let me give this, let me pass this forward a little bit. What advice would you give? Yeah, I think it actually, it really ties back into my favorite Bible verse, um, which is perfect love casts out all fear. And I know that without God, I let fear dictate a lot of the things that I was doing or fear or anxiety. Um, You you can see that throughout the story of just, just worrying all the time. Like what, what are people going to think of me? Like, am I wearing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And the only way to move past that is to experience the perfect love that God has for us. I I feel very, very lucky that my parents here, and I know that's not the case with everybody, but gave me a very human example of unconditional love. And so knowing that I have that and also the unconditional love of God is what helps me get through all of these things that are fear inducing the, the, you know, the loss of, of a parent, um, navigating job changes, relationship changes, uncertainty in the future. Like the the only thing that I've found that helps kind of quiet those fears is the perfect love of God. So that would be my encouragement is to try to to find that and then to really experience it fully. Yeah. yeah. Annie, I, I really appreciate you. Just your story and um six years of of friendship and um, now that I think about it, some pretty uncomfortable conversations, um, but in the best way. You know, when we started Collective, we talked about we wanted this place to be real, and we wanted um, vulnerability, and we wanted 
um, just all, all the good things that people bring. And it was a desire. And here we are on this podcast and I'm sitting down with these people and they're sharing with me vulnerability right now, um, which is great. But then there's also so much of it where it's, man, you've been choosing that since day one. You know, when you're in it, you don't see it. And, and hearing it, I'm like, man, like part of the reason why people love this church is because of the culture that I didn't even have to create. Essentially, it was I just we just did this thing, and people showed up saying, "Nope, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real about my doubts. I'm going to be real about my struggles. I'm going to be real about how hard life is. I'm going to be real about how hard relationships are." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and people in the past have heard, "I'm going to be real about struggling with mental illness," or "I'm going to be real about the bad decisions I've made." All these things, and and because of that, that is collective. And so, I just want to say this, you know, to those of you listening, specifically if you are new, you know, that feeling that you feel when you come here, where we talk about real things, which is heavy, but there is that peace and that trust and that, that, that thing about this place that just feels different. Annie is one of the reasons why it feels that way. And it's people like Annie who go to this church who from day one, before it was cool, chose vulnerability and chose trust. Um, it's allowed us to do what we get to do at this church. And so um, I'm thankful for you. Um, thankful for Matt. Thankful uh, that I've got to see these weird parts of your guys' life and be a part <laughs> of them. Um, but really, I'm, I'm very thankful that you took a chance on a church that didn't really exist on the internet or in the world, <laughs> um, and it and it brought you to this part of your story where you're sharing with other people today. And um, I just hope for those of you listening, it's a, it's a huge encouragement um, on life and faith and and the pursuit of who who God is and, and trust in Him. And so, Annie, thank you so much for sharing today and being vulnerable on the podcast. Thank you for having me.